A certain minister was arguing for the inerrancy of Scripture with one of his laymen. Do you mean to tell me you believe that story about Jonah being swallowed by a big fish? The layman asked. Well, yes, I do, the minister answered. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah about it. And what if Jonah is not in heaven, the layman asked. The minister thought for a moment. Hmm, then you can ask him. <laughs> it's the Bible story that everybody knows, right? Even unchurched folks can tell you about Jonah and the big fish. He was the guy swallowed by the whale, the fish. A story immortalized in children's picture books everywhere. A fantastic, bizarre tale of a reluctant prophet, a huge fish, and a pagan city. I want you to think about that story. God commanded Jonah to go to a sinful city called Nineveh with a stern message. Turn or burn. Jonah didn't want to do it because no self-respecting Jew would set foot among the ranks of pagan heathens. Jonah held a low opinion of Nineveh, that glittery, glamorous capital of Assyria. It's an area now occupied by Syria, Jordan, Iran. But being the obedient, dutiful prophet that he was, Jonah swallowed his objections and shuffled off to Nineveh anyway, right? Wrong. Matter of fact, Jonah heads the opposite direction. He buys a boat ticket for Tarshish and runs away from God. And some scholars believe Tarshish was a port city in Spain, not exactly in the vicinity of Nineveh. That's kind of like God telling you, that's kind of like God telling you, you know, to go to Toronto and you decide to head to Calgary. What happens next is a comedy of errors. A fierce storm blows in and the sailors want to know who made the gods angry. And they finally pin the blame on Jonah. Splash, into the water he goes. Enter the big fish. Great fish, according to the Bible. He swallows Jonah, who camps out in the fish's belly for three days and three nights. Then God commanded the fish, and the fish spit up Jonah on dry land. Now, it's so easy to get hung up at this point in the story, a man living three days in the belly of a fish. But the story isn't about the fish. It is about fishing. Yeah, fishing. God wanted Jonah to fish for Ninevites, hook them with a divine message, lower the nets of love and concern. But Jonah wasn't in the mood to pack his tackle box in his mind, the Ninevites didn't deserve good preaching services. They weren't worthy of God's love. He couldn't justify wasting his ministerial skills as a prophet on people who kissed idols, bowed down to materialism, and worshipped war. So he ran. Can you really run from God? God caught up with Jonah, of course. God's that way. He will get our attention somehow. Whether it's sending a hungry fish to swallow us up or allowing our pride to devour us until we cry for his help. Jonah finally obeyed God 
and off to Nineveh he went to preach a message of repentance. The response was the stuff preachers dream about. Jonah chapter 3 verse 5 simply states, The Ninevites believed God. And like an arrow, Jonah's message shot straight into their hearts. Even the king repented, ripping his robes and declaring a fast. He ordered that the people wear sackcloth as a sign of sorrow for their sins. God is utterly consistent. His purposes do not change. The Bible declares that God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Why do you think one of the first things Jesus did was call his disciples to be fishers of men? God loves all people. That was true in Jonah's day. It was true in Jesus' day. And it's true in our day. All people? Yes, people of other nationalities. People of other tribes. People of other languages. People who worship other gods. God loves all of them. And should we be reaching out to them? God answers our question with one of his own. Should I not be concerned about this great city? God has made it his purpose to save the world which we are a part of. And he's made it his purpose to use us to spread the message of his salvation. That means he's made it our purpose as well. We all have vocations in life stations in life, jobs we have to do, responsibilities. Maybe you are a spouse, maybe a parent, maybe a child, maybe a friend, maybe a homeowner, maybe you have a job, maybe you are retired, maybe you have the ability to work with computers, maybe you work with people. We all got things in our lives that occupy our time. And generally, they are good things. That's why they're in our lives. Many blessings. We have possessions, homes, cars, computers, cell phones, all kinds of things. And the more things we have, the more things we have to take care of. Our purpose in life is to live our lives, eat, drink, be fruitful and multiply, work, do business, love our neighbor, Eat, drink, and be merry. We have a purpose. Paul then tells us that the time is short. And now, there's an urgency in our lives. There is another purpose. And this new purpose trumps the first purpose. Just like in the lives of the disciples, they leave their nets and they follow. Now let me explain by way of an illustration this whole purpose thing. When we have company coming over, what is the one thing you must do? Yeah, you got to clean the house. You especially check the washroom in case your company's going to use it. You hang new towels out, guest towels. You know, the nicer ones for special occasions. We're not to use those towels before company comes. Then you decide to have a glass of milk while you sit down in the living room waiting for your company and oops, you spill it on one of your nice chairs or sofas. 
what a mess. What do you do? You would run to the washroom and grab the first thing available to wipe up the mess, even if it was the nice guest towels. I mean, the towel can be washed, but it's difficult to wash an upholstered chair or couch. Remember, the towel had a special purpose. It was kept for guests. However, in an emergency, the purpose of the towel changed. It was used for something else. We have purposes and responsibilities in our lives, like being married, being a friend, laughing, crying, buying, selling, doing business, lots of responsibilities and things to do. Then a big event happens in our lives. We're saved. We get baptized. We go from the road to hell to the road to heaven and eternal life in paradise. We learn about Jesus, that he came into our world to save the world, that he lived and died for us, that he lived and died for the whole world, that he wants all people to be saved. God has given us a new and more important job. We are to live with Christ in us, forgiving us, strengthening us, sustaining us, and guiding us. We who have received blessings are to share them with others. We are to tell others the good news that he loves them. We still have our everyday jobs to do, looking after our relationships, mourning with those who mourn, rejoicing with those who rejoice, buying and selling, loving and serving. But all these concerns are now temporary. Bad things and even good things can distract us from our number one purpose. The big purpose of our life is that we believe in Jesus our Savior and we have something to share with others so that they too may believe. St. Paul says the time is short to do this proclamation of the gospel. So a couple of things we learn from the Bible reading about Jonah we learn, don't let your prejudices get in the way of outreach and love for other people. Don't. God won't allow it. Be like Jonah and go. Be like God, who loves everyone. So much so that you want everyone to be saved too. And from St. Paul, don't let your other blessings, the good things you enjoy in life, could be people, could be things, don't let them distract you from your purpose. The time is very short for those people to be saved. And from the gospel where Jesus calls Andrew, Peter, James, and John. Don't even let your livelihood or your family stop you from following him. Andrew and Peter drop their nets, their livelihood, and follow Jesus. James and John, they left their father in the boat.
They didn't let even family get in the way with their number one purpose. See, God loves people too much to take no for an answer when he calls. He made faith happen for you. You never know what he might do for someone else. So what's stopping you? Well, I'm afraid. God says, fear not. Well, I don't know if it's really for me. I'm apathetic or indifferent. God says the hour has come to put away your slumber and put on the armor of light. Do you feel you lack the knowledge? I'm not very good with words. God says grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Prepare yourself. Do you think that evangelism is just the pastor's job or belongs maybe to a committee? God says you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, we Christians are meant for the deep, not the dark. You'll catch a way more fish in a boat than from on shore. The church is not a lighthouse warning people to stay away. The church is a fishing boat fashioned to strike out into the sea and rescue the perishing. How then can they call on the one they have not believed? How can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Romans 10:14. Please seriously consider your role in the kingdom of God. Amen.